Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Hey, it's Ella. I'm going to keep this intro really short because I have a long conversation with Biz coming up and I hope you find it interesting. There is a lot in here. I just want to tell you a couple of things. The first thing that I want to tell you is that this episode is brought to you by the Patreons on patreon.com who support the On Air with Ella show. That means that there are listeners out there who essentially buy me a cup of coffee every month. And because of their small donation on patreon.com, this show is able to exist. That means the cost of hosting, the cost of production, and all the boring things we don't like to talk about is paid for by listeners. I cannot thank you enough. You guys are the absolute best. And I'm looking forward to our upcoming Zoom chat because every month I do a little informal chit chat over Zoom with people from all over the world who are Patreon patrons. So thanks, love you guys. All right, Biz and I have a conversation that covers a lot of topics and that is everything from my career and my background some things i've never shared before but also some details of my personal life that i have definitely never shared before so i just want you to know i think we talk about business for uh, maybe the first third then we start talking about all sorts of topics for the middle third and then the last third is deeply deeply personal so even if some of the questions that biz and i go through don't apply to you. I hope you'll stick around for the duration because we run the gamut. All right. Another thing you should know is I put a lot of pictures in this episode notes. So when you click on the blog for this episode, you will see a lot of photos. And of course, I'll share them on Instagram too. And if you were at the New York City listener meetup several years ago, your photo is in the episode notes. <laughs> it's all there. The photo that we talk about that I took on my 40th birthday is in there. So I don't know. I just love to have a visual when I'm listening to a podcast. I get curious about things that they talk about. And I wanted you to know, I think I satisfied that curiosity. So it's all there. All right. Thanks for tuning in for this conversation with Biz. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Here we go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by friend and listener Biz Peterson. Hi, Biz. How are you? Hi, Ella. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Where are you today? I am in Chicago, Illinois. How long have you lived in Chicago? I moved here about a year ago from New York because of the pandemic. So I moved here and have been living here since and probably stick around for a few years. We met in New York, Biz, and <laughs> we tried so hard to get in trouble that night, but it did not happen. Back when we traveled all the time, I was in a different city. It felt like every other week. And so I would often have meetups. So we had a meetup in New York and a, a bunch of people came. It was super fun. And Tilly and Biz and I tried to get into trouble afterwards. So it's just never, it, I think we just wandered the streets for a while. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much how I recall it as well. So Biz, how do we know each other really though? So I started listening to your podcast when I was probably 21 living in New York. I think I was having some digestive issues and podcasts had just started becoming a thing that people talk about. So I 
searched in there, probably literally digestive problems, something like that. And an episode of yours came up and I started listening and then I started binging all of the old episodes and I was like, I have never felt more seen in my entire life by this woman who I don't know, um, stalked you on all the socials. And then a few years later, honestly, it was probably two or three years after I'd been listening to your podcast, you planned a meetup in New York. So I went to that, we met and really clicked and I was fangirling for a while at first, <laughs> as you do, and chatted with Tilly, her and I also hit it off. Um, I stuck around and convinced you guys to try to come out with me. That didn't really go anywhere, probably <laughs> for the best, we'll never know. <laughs> um, yeah, I that, that was pretty much it. Stayed in touch on social and have come to you since for a lot of advice in different areas of my life. What's so interesting is we are 20 years apart. We actually have so much in common in a lot of different ways, but we are we are 20 years apart. I could have, under different terms, given birth to you. <laughs> But I love it because I think a diversity in experience and diversity in my own friendships, I think it just brings so much richness to my life and you bring richness to my life. And I really like having interesting conversations with you. And I buzzed you because I said, you know, I, I haven't done a show that where I really explain my background. And one of the reasons I haven't done that is because it is, it seems very self-indulgent. It's like, who cares? But I've realized now just based on feedback from listeners and stuff that I really should explain a little bit about the context of my life and how I got here and what I do, uh, because it's actually a little bit confusing. And so that doesn't feel self-indulgent. So I thought we could do a little bit of that today and then talk about whatever comes up for you. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Okay. Well, you're in charge. You're the boss. What's happening? <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, my first question, um, conversation, if you will, would like to bring you back to like your twenties and thirties and the very start of like your education and professional career. And if there was a specific moment in time or like time period where you birthed this idea of the podcast and the direction that the brand has gone, I know it started out more wellness, but if you can just touch on how it originated. Okay. That's a lot. So, okay, let's do career first. In my twenties, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up whatsoever. And in my forties, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up whatsoever, <laughs> to be clear. Okay. But in my twenties, I was just like throwing spaghetti against the wall to see if it would stick. When I went to apply, I was in broadcast media. When I went to apply to business school, I picked up an application for business school and law school on the same day. And the law school application, like the questions were annoying, the essays were annoying. So I filled out the business school one because <laughs> it's important to have dreams. <laughs> so it's literally how I made one of the most pivotal decisions in my life. I was like, this application bores me. That turned out to be really, really fortuitous because I went to business school at a pretty young age in my, in my 20s because I needed to learn the language of business. I did. I had a background in liberal arts, so I did not know enough about business. And I knew enough to know that I liked business and I enjoyed talking with business owners, but I didn't know uh, a whole lot beyond that. So I was really glad that I did that. But when I graduated from business school, you know, you think, I think that when we're in, when we're teenagers or in our early twenties, you think that your career is going to look very much like I'm at point A, I want to get to point D. So I got to go from B to C to get to D and it's all upward and it's all linear and it's a very straight line graph. 
And first of all, that's a lie. (laughs) And it's, it's true in certain contexts when someone is dead set on specialization and they know that at a very young age, and that's great. I'm not taking anything away from them for, for many, many people, it's a fiction and it's an unfortunate one because it makes you feel like you're failing when you're searching. Right. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're missing something when you don't have all the answers in your 20s. Right. And I think an aspect of that is people ask you, what do you want to do with this degree? What's your dream job from this? And you're, you think that you need an answer to that question versus just saying like, I actually don't know. I know that it's forward motion. I hope I figure it along, out along the way, but I don't know. And from a very young age, people ask you what you want to do when you grow up. And it's just like a part of the way we're raised. And so that just carries on into adulthood. What did I say to you when you asked if you should go to business school? I I had expressed that I didn't know what it was going to lead to at all, but we talked about how it was forward motion. It was taking a step in the right direction. You don't know what door it's going to open, and you shared your experience of meeting someone who then in business school, a professor, I believe, who then invited you on to this project overseas for a while. And that really started your career that you would never have, that wouldn't have happened had you not just gone. And I think approaching decisions that way, and like, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I'm open to possibilities and the opportunities. It it can't go wrong. You know, It, it just is what it is. I don't think you can really mess it up. Yeah. And I think that one thing I would add to that, that I probably did you a disservice by not really detailing is I think if you can rely on your intuition in these decisions, I, I joke about chucking the law school application. That's a hundred percent true. However, that was a lot of my intuition speaking to me as well. And I think that if you can, if you can spend quiet moments, if you can get in touch with your intuition, you know, we talk a lot about this on the show now about like really sort of checking in with your intuition on little small decisions so that it's there for you on the bigger decisions. And, you know, not all forward motion is useful. It might be forward motion in the wrong direction. And that's what your intuition is for. But yes, in this case and in yours, because you're in, you're in business school now, right? Yeah. The, the other thing is too, though, to be totally honest with you, I had no money. You know, I had only been out in the work world for two years, maybe three. And I was completely financially, you know, self-sufficient. Uh, my parents, I was very lucky in that they sent me to college and then they were like, bye. Yeah. And as it should be right. They, they yeah. were like, go fly. We gave you the wings. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so they were very clear. They're like, that's amazing. If you want to go to grad school, but we're not paying for it. Just PS. And I also did right. not want to take on any debt. And so I said to myself, you know, I'm only going to business school if I can get a pretty significant scholarship. And so I challenged myself with that sort of thing. It's like, it will work out if it's meant to work out. So I say all of this to you because I then pursued a scholarship that I had no business pursuing. And I was awarded a full scholarship for two years and it was merit-based. It wasn't need-based. And I say that to you because I was not, I think this is really important. And I have a whole keynote speech that I like to deliver in person and it's called unqualified. And when I tell you I was unqualified for this scholarship, I mean, my numbers weren't where the numbers are supposedly you had to have, I don't even remember what scores anymore but on the gmat you had to have on the entrance exam you had to have some score that was you know very close to perfect and i did not have a score that was very close to perfect but i'm also 
did an interview weekend and spoke in person and spoke with a great deal of passion and conviction and commitment to the program I wanted to join. And I think that that's what what made it happen for me. I say all of that to make a couple of points. One is reach for the things that you think are impossible because why not? What right. would what did you lose by assuming it was possible in the first place and just trying? And two is there was a lot of inner guidance and inner intuition helping lead me on that journey, which obviously changed my life. Yeah, completely. I think an interesting way to view some things in life is such as a game, like, okay, other people are doing this. Let's just see if I can. Let's just try it. Let's just see how it goes. And not attaching the pressure to get all A's or the pressure to have it like lead somewhere exactly, but more just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now because I can and I'm here. And COVID has also presented the opportunity to work from home. And so then that made it easier. There's just a, a lot of different factors that have made it possible now. And that's why I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. I don't have answers. I don't have a set answer or like direction that it's leading to. Can I be honest with you? I have now, you know, I've owned my own business since 2003. So how many years is that? 112 or something? I think that, <laughs> I think that math is correct. And I have never felt certainty about any professional decision I have ever made. And I think that people need to talk about that more. Yeah. <laughs> really. yeah. I think that the most useful thing that I have done and would encourage in others, and I just lucked into this and now I started to pay attention to it and learn from it. I don't mean to convey that I had this all figured out at the time, but right. I have really tried to stay open to the possibilities. And yeah. so I will say yes to something to see what it creates. And that, that, that can be confusing advice because there's a lot of things you should say no to. <laughs> right. But again, when you are listening to your intuition, when you're really thinking and feeling things in your body as they come up, your intuition will help you decide if something is a door opener or if it just feels wrong in your body, then shut the door. By yeah. the way, I did not talk like that when I was in my 20s. <laughs> One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten, and it actually came from an ex, but he told me, he's like, one of the biggest things that will lead to success is just recognizing when a door opens. A lot of people aren't paying attention enough in their life and are aware to like realize when a door is swinging wide open and then walking through it. So that if you can figure out when those doors are opening and take advantage, then I think you're on your way. And it's scary because you don't really know and you question like this is right. Am I wasting my time? Whatever. But just keep walking through the doors. And I think it leads somewhere. A hundred percent. And I came out of my twenties. I had my son in business school. Great idea. Really good planning. <laughs> he was due in December during my break. He came early surprise, but uh, yeah. So I went through the second semester, excuse me. I went through the second half of my second year. So full-time business school, uh, generally speaking is two full years. And so I would take this tiny, tiny little baby to class with me. They were really quite tolerant of me, um, to be honest and graduated with a, you know, a six month old or whatnot, a five month old, um, something of that <laughs> you get the idea. And so here's, a <laughs> here's something you would not predict if you, you won't find this on my LinkedIn profile biz, but, um, I graduated from business school. And you know, when you graduate from business school, they want to put you in a box. Like they're like, which consulting company are you going to go work for? Like which, right. which financial institution are you going to go work for? And I was like, um, I have like this baby and I don't know what I'm going to do. And okay, bye. And so I took my baby and ran. And <laughs> for the first six months of his life, 
I used my new business degree and did commercials and like little film promos. <laughs> I did HGTV promos. I did a little film thing with Dolly Parton for her amusement park. Yeah. I'm in a bank commercial somewhere, a cable commercial. Yeah. Really big time. Oh man. So when did you start to feel if ever that the degree was quote unquote worth it and like started to pay dividends? I think this is important because some people out there don't have their college degree and some, somebody who we're talking to today is not going to grad school and feels maybe like there's a box they haven't checked. And this is what I want to say about that. In my case, that opened a door where I got to interact with people I never would have interacted with. And it exposed me to concepts I never would have had exposure to. Okay. So that's the purpose it served for me. It did not educate me in terms of how to run a business, how to be successful. It taught me how to think. It right. didn't do the thinking for me and I didn't come out program knowing how to do anything. Okay. So that's not a slight on my school whatsoever. Most schools should be teaching you how to learn. Yeah. That should be their primary function. So that's what it did for me. Anyway, I was super, super lucky because I'm sitting at home, you know, watching myself on a cable TV commercial, really proud of the degree that I've just earned. <laughs> And my professor called me and he said, look, I need you to be in the Algarve. I didn't know what the Algarve was. It's in, it's a really beautiful part of Portugal, but he said, I need you to be in the Algarve. This is in two weeks. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, drop my baby. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, would you like to know why? <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, yes, of course. Yes, yes. And so he brought me into a project, like you said, and to cut a very long story short, like, you know, you guys, when we're all together and over a glass of wine, we can hear more. But the short version of the story is I got brought into a project that turned into a job that was based in London and we worked all over Europe and I would leave for one week a month and my uh, family would take care of my son. And so I was like a mom in my living room for three weeks a month. And then one week a month to 10 days a month, I was in Europe, like living my best life. It was honestly, utterly amazing. Now, guess what happened then? What happened then is this company that uh, I was now working for was run by a complete and total charlatan. And he up and left us. He left a building in Mayfair, a uh, an office in Mayfair. He left a Lamborghini, a Maserati on the streets in Mayfair in, in London, guys, with the keys in the ignition. He left an office full of people and rented furniture and none of us were paid. In fact, we hadn't been paid for the past two months or so. And we were due, so we were due for the third. So we were, <laughs> there's a whole story there about how, when you don't want to see something because you don't want it to be true, you don't see it. So that's the story of how we all were still working with two months of no pay. Anyway. So he left, he left maybe 30 of us with three months out, no pay. I am the sole breadwinner for my family and I'm jobless. And that is how I started my own company. Wow. <laughs> that is why I started my own company. That's I was like, well, I don't have a choice now. <laughs> <laughs> two of the guys I was in business with, I said, and the only two that lived in America, I said, okay, I think we just became a business. Yeah. You were like, we have to do this. Yeah. Necessity was the root of that one. It was not like, I've got big dreams and I, you know, I'm here for something more. It was, um, gonna need to pay the utility bill. So can we make this happen? Wow. That is something it's not, it's not as glamorous as, you know, most of the stories and people starting their yeah. own are, but so you guys, did you stick? keep it in the UK or did you bring it back to the US? 
No, we all lived in the U.S., so we started in the U.S., and uh, the third partner was an old, he was the professor, actually, that brought me in, and he was an older gentleman, and he was like, you know what, this is too much risk for me, I'm out. So now... <laughs> You've yeah. got two of us left and we're like, okay, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. Ignorance is bliss. And I was too naive to know what I was signing myself up for. And therefore I didn't know that I should be terrified. I did not know what my limitations were. I had no intention of spending any time. No. In fact, that makes, that gives me way too much credit. I just had to do what I had to do. Right. So we had $300. We started with $300 in our checking account and like a college dorm fridge. Those were our assets. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's really easy to look back on decisions like that and things that happened and create this story around it. But the fact of the matter was like, you had to do it. Like you were put in that position and I'm sure it was incredibly stressful and painful and yeah, a lot of emotions going on. Yeah, it was, but that was, you had originally asked, you know, twenties versus thirties and my thirties, I remember almost nothing. Like it makes me want to cry in a sense, because yeah. keep in mind, my baby was born in my very late twenties. And so he's, he's very young throughout my entire thirties. I remember so little that I look back at old pictures and it gets me a little bit emotional because I had my head down the whole time. I have never said this on the air before Oprah went through a divorce. I was married to my son's dad for 10 years and we, we disintegrated, like we didn't have what it took to make it through those really, the really rough ride. And so now I'm a single mom <laughs> and then my bonus daughter comes into my life and she's been on the air before Mamie. Yeah. And so she comes to live with, so my thirties, we had a full house, but no net yeah. and it's a blur. <laughs> so how about going into your forties then? What did that start to look like? My forties have been amazing. And I had a lot of amazing moments and a lot of amazing experiences in my thirties. I got to see a whole lot of the world and, you know, I had these two kids in my life and I mean, I, it was not all suffering. It, in fact, that's not even a word that I would use in my thirties. Um, it was just busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just really, really busy. Okay. So in my forties, I come up for air a teeny tiny bit. And one of the reasons is that I started to discover things about me because so much of my life had been about producing, 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 momming. And I really started to become a little bit more self-focused in my late thirties and in my forties because I, not because I just started to pay attention to me again a bit more. And I liked that. And I liked the way that it felt. I discovered that I was a triathlete in my thirties. No one would have confused me with an athlete, with an athlete in my twenties, like right. no one. <laughs> You just simply weren't thinking about Ella during correct. those years. That's correct. Yeah. And when I was turning 40, my husband and I went on, I'd now been married for, I don't know, a year because I got remarried in my late thirties. I'm really bad with dates. I, <laughs> I really am. I offend my family all the time. I'm like, how old are you again? Anyway, my, my husband and I had been married a year or two and we're 10 years apart. So we both had these big milestone birthdays and we went on a trip. And this is such a stupid story, but I feel like I can't skip it. On this trip, I'm doing a handstand on a paddleboard out in the ocean. Okay. And I'd never been on a paddleboard before. And I'd never done a handstand on a paddleboard before, but I did it. And I, again, I know that sounds idiotic, but I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he happened to take a picture of it. And for some reason, this is so dumb, but I just feel like you're my friends and I want you to know the background. When I saw that picture, I was like, oh, I might be good at things. <laughs> I know that again, this sounds so silly, but it was such a touch point in my life where for yeah. like one nanosecond, I saw myself the way somebody else might see me instead of the way I saw me. Does that make any sense? Yeah, completely. I love those moments. And it, I think the same, I've completed like a marathon and a few half marathons. And every time you're reminded that you can do this really hard thing and you start to forget it when you're not specifically training or whatever. And honestly, it's been the same, like in the accounting class I just passed, like I didn't know I was capable of that. And then you do it and you realize it. And then you're like, oh wait, I actually am like good at thinking this way or math or whatever it is. And you're just not presented those opportunities all the time. So I think that's really cool. And it's also like, it's a physical strength thing, that, but then also like strengthen your perception of yourself and wanted you to continue to push those limits. You said that so much better than I could articulate it. And I, I say a lot, we need to be scanning the universe for evidence of what we believe is true. And what we tend to do when we negative self-talk all the time right. is your subconscious scans the environment for evidence that that is true and it will find it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I tried to get off my bike today and I like basically fell over and then I was like, you know, and then I knocked over four things and then I really got annoyed at myself and I'm telling myself what an idiot I am. And I like completely yeah. have a train wreck, you know, and it's because, yeah. because it built that momentum, right? That's just a yep. silly example, but we do that with our negative self-talk all the time. So when you start looking for evidence that you're kind of awesome because right. you are, and when we scan the environment for some of those positive beliefs, I think the environment feeds you things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Definitely. And it doesn't have to be anything big or dramatic or really sexy. It's just like your your life and what you're doing like day to day that's like making a positive impact. One practice I've been doing, and this sounds so cheesy, <laughs> I like hate to say it, but when I'm alone, like in the shower, getting ready, I, I tell myself what I'm doing in my life that I'm really proud of and that I've accomplished, like living alone, making X amount of money, working towards an MBA, building these relationships, positive things that are going on so that I feel a sense of ownership over those. And it makes me want to continue like working hard and investing in those and just being like, Hey, your life's good. You know, you're doing okay. And just focusing on those things that I'm good at and that I'm doing have projected me further every single day. The only thing, the reason that feels silly is because it's vulnerable, but it is the farthest thing from silly. Yeah. The podcast started because I wanted to share messages that health and wellness and fitness were accessible by all. And this, it started from a frustration because something I was really dialed into at the time was the health industry slash media was yeah. really making health sound incredibly complicated. And like, you need to spend a lot of money to either figure it out or to live your best life. Right. So I really, really wanted to get really simple messages about health and wellness out there. And, you know, we did that. We did that for about a hundred episodes. Yeah. And it helped a lot of people, including myself. 
it helped me until I took too much of my own medicine, so to speak, and really started doing too much, like stopped listening to myself and started listening to every single person that said they were an expert and what was their morning routine and what 85 supplements do I need to take a day and when, and should I not eat carbs at all? And should I, you know, and, and the reason that happened was not because of the inputs, it's because of where my mind was starting to go. Right. Those inputs served me very, very well for many years, but then I started looking for something else and I started trying to hack the changes I was seeing in my body. I started realizing I was entirely too focused. I was tying way too much of my worth with my physicality. Right. Does that make sense? Completely. And I think same. I, I've done all of those things. I have tried every diet, like exercise regimen, habit, whatever. When I started to feel most in line with myself was when I just asked what feels good. That's all I asked myself. What feels good and how do I want to feel? And when you get clear about those two things, decisions become very easy and no one knows except you. So there's a point where you have to shut out the outside voices and just be like, hold up, what am I doing? What do I want to do? What feels good to me? What's working? What's not? And it doesn't mean that I don't want to maybe lose weight or get more toned or these sorts of things, but that's because it's deriving from a place of like, I want to feel so confident and sexy and like myself and myself shines when I'm not worried about certain things. And so like, what do I have to do to just be in that place most of the time and not all the time, but like, that's always my goal with what's going to make me feel the best. I'm so glad we can talk about this because when I started making that shift mentally in my own life, the one that you just described, then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about fitness or health or wanting to lose the five pounds. Like, I can't talk about that anymore because it's not, it's not okay. It's not politically correct to do that anymore. We have to love our bodies in every single form that they're in. And so then I really like, I, I got a little lost mm -hmm. and where I am today, if this is of interest to anyone and where this show will continue to be is. I unapologetically feel my most confident and my most playful when I am fit. Yes. I, I love the playful. You've also, this has come up in a previous episode of yours and you said you also want to feel vibrant. And that really stuck with me because at the core of who I am, and this is like some inner child work stuff too, but it's like this playful, happy biz. And I want her to feel that way. And so like, I do certain things in my life that allow me to feel that way and to step into rooms and feel sexy and confident and like funny and fun. And that's me, you know? And if I'm not feeling that way, I'm not as happy. I, I don't show up the way I want in relationships. I can't be fully present. And so there's just, and it's different for everyone. And I, that's important. And the big, 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 big aha for me was really twofold. The first thing is I was like, okay, I'm more confident. And I'm so glad you picked up on the word playful because it took me about 30 years to figure that out, but more confident and more playful when I'm really in my fit self. Okay. Right. But major aha, number one, that has nothing to do with my value. <laughs> 
Yeah. My value has absolutely nothing to do with what I look like in today's jeans, like nothing, zero, zero zip. And that's an extremely important distinction to make. The second thing is that it's not anymore about a certain size scale measurement. It's not about a metric at all for me anymore. So, and I'm not imposing that on you. I'm not imposing that on anyone else. I am not likely to look the same as I did when I was 28. I'm not likely to, I might look better. I might look worse, whatever those mean, but it's unlikely that I will continue in homeostasis and stay in the exact same body, given that I have a new body about every six hours anyway. So, I mean, it's just, okay. <laughs> yes. This is the really critical part. And I hope this resonates. It's not about a metric in any way. It is how I feel in my current body. So sometimes that body has a little bit of extra fluff on it, but I feel amazing because I'm do my head games, right. I'm yeah. eating well, I might be a little stressed from work. And so I'm not able to spend as much time, or I might be a little pressed from work. So I'm not able to spend as much time working out, but I got my head game, right. So yeah. I'm super, super comfortable. So I just want people to understand. I am not here to say that I feel better as a direct correlation to my percentage body fat, because that version of me no longer exists. Yeah, completely. And I think too, as women, when you can just accept that your body is going to fluctuate for the rest of your life, it's never going to be the same every day and just get used to that. You're like, okay, that's fine. Then you stop trying to manipulate it and trick it into these things because it's just not going to happen. It's so annoying. It, uh... And you're, one thing too, is like your friends and your family and the, the real people in your life they don't care. <laughs> they don't think about it. They really don't care. They want you to be happy. And that's how I feel about my friends and family too. I just want them to be happy. So it, it doesn't matter. Plus, can I just say, and I don't mean to belabor this, but I just, I recently talked about this with Mandy on the air. We are terrible judges anyway, like terrible. Like I just looked back at pictures. I was looking for something and I looked at pictures from this winter and I was like, oh, I was a little fluffy. I, I had no idea I was fluffy. I had absolutely no idea that I was carrying a little bit extra weight. Go figure in the dead of winter in the middle of a pandemic. Weird. Um, <laughs> but I didn't realize it. I did not realize it. And I was perfectly comfortable. So that means I showed yeah. up everywhere I showed up, which was like my living room, my dining room and the basement because it was a pandemic, yeah. but every room I showed up in, I was very comfortable and more confident and more playful. And I must've emanated that. And then I look back at pictures from two years ago in the middle of a renovation, we've moved four times, you know, I've started this full-time job and I was very lean and I had absolutely no idea. And I was miserable. So I just want to say we are terrible judges. So we might as well just assume our own awesomeness in the physical manifestation that we're in right now and work from there. Yeah. I love that. I'm just going to assume I'm awesome every day from here on out. And that's the way it's going to be. So I don't know. I, I feel better and I look better when I treat myself better. You know what I mean? Completely. So where are you at right now in your job podcast and where do you see it going this year and on? Okay. Good question. Short version. And I say, this is one of those things where I just want to 
clear up confusion because I keep referring to all these things and I've never really been super explicit about it. So my family moved, my husband, son, and I moved so that I could take this big job, publicly held company, you know, executive officer role. And we moved just outside of DC. So we live in Northern Virginia and I, oh, we love it here. Love it, love it, love it here. And I cannot wait to have a meetup in the DC area because it's really easy to get to. Okay. I left that job after two years. <laughs> so I moved my entire family here. No, I, um, the short version is really, cause I don't, I don't want to put anyone to sleep is I have always worked for a lot of the same people, but I've done it through the auspices of my own company. And I really wanted to revert back to that. So I wasn't comfortable doing the podcast when I was in this big job, so to speak. And I wasn't, it didn't, I didn't feel like I could integrate all sides of myself professionally. And I have really, really beautiful relationships in my business career as well. And I said, look, I really like, can I just revert back to my role as a contractor, keep the title, keep the badge and like, let me support and let me do the same work. But if it's okay, let me do it, um, you know, under the auspices of my own company. And the transition of that, which was scary, but I had the belief the whole time. I had the intuition, I had the trusting and it's terrifying, you know, financially. And if you're risk averse, you'd have a heart attack and so on and so forth. But I was trusting and believing and it allowed me, I mean, I think I did not realize I was going to come back to the podcast. I did not realize that mm -hmm. the moment I was like, wait, <laughs> you know, and my inner voice was like, let's do this. It was 120% like full steam ahead. That's amazing. So what was the vision that you had in coming back? So the topics might change and evolve biz. Like I'm sort of over talking about like turmeric. I will never stop talking about bloating <laughs> literally thank, ever. Thank God. <laughs> if there's one wish I could have. Wait, bloating is here to stay. We're going to embrace it and talk about it in all seriousness. To me, where I want to go with this is I, I, I am a self-improvement Sherpa. And I'm going to tell you what that means. First of all, I believe that there are so many of us that don't hate our life. We don't feel like we're on the struggle bus every single day. Like we visit the struggle bus, but we don't wake up under a black cloud every day of our lives and hate our lives. And like, we're just scouring the internet for help. That's not who this family is. This family, this community, generally speaking, pretty grateful for our life and like, you know, or, or for loved ones, or we have some really key things in our life that we're very grateful for and very happy about, but you know what? We still want more. Mm -hmm. And that is 1000% okay and encouraged where I'm sitting. Like we want more joy. We want more out of our relationships. We want more self-confidence. We want more consistency in showing up for ourselves. We want more experiences. And you can hear I'm getting a little passionate about this, so it must be true. I will, I will never give up wanting to facilitate these conversations. And when I say self-improvement Sherpa, here's what I mean. Self, it's not Ella itself. So it is already in you. It's already in me. And I'm here for us to turn up the volume because a lot of times we've turned the volume way down. Sometimes motherhood has forced us to, or forced us, you know what I mean? To turn the volume way down on something. And sometimes being a single 20 something year old who's trying to make her way in the world has turned the volume down on our confidence or our certainty in ourselves, or perhaps a relationship has, uh, has resulted in us turning our volume down on our joy. I am here for all of us to start paying attention to those dials and turn them back up for ourselves. Improvement to me means 
1% better every day. All I care about is that I'm not going backwards. And some days, some days I don't move forward biz, but most of the time I'm just incrementally better at one little teeny tiny thing than I was a year ago. So that's what improvement means. And it's never perfection. And Sherpa means a Sherpa, as you know, is someone who goes on the path with you and says, Hey, you know, I actually tried this route once and this one's pretty rocky. Do you want to like, maybe try this route with me? Or, Hey, I've got this bag of tools. I found this one works. You might find this one works. That one probably won't work for you. And like, that's what a Sherpa does. A guru sits on top of the mountain and tells you what it's like and how to get there. And a Sherpa is like trial and erroring right next to you. Yeah. That's what I want for us. And that's what I want to bring. I think one thing this podcast and family, as you mentioned, has brought to my life is a new awareness for, I want to say challenges, but that's not really the word, just different aspects of life that maybe I wasn't hyper aware of or paying attention to in my life. And then deciding from there what I want to do with it. So that's been really valuable. And I think something that a lot of people probably take as well. Yeah. And you remember how we started this conversation talking about that linear path we're sold a bill of goods on, particularly in the American culture. It's not, it's not the same everywhere else, but in the American culture, we are sold a bill of goods about this linear, you know, line graph to success. And a conversation I have with Tilly a lot is about this iterative process. So I'm sitting here moving my finger in a spiral and I have found that life is not this, you know, the linear journey. It is this iterative journey. And sometimes you double back on yourselves and you have to learn the same lesson over and over again. God help us all. And other times you're like, oh my gosh, it feels like I've been on the same course, but you look down and you're five coils up. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that is why I don't encourage you to look for absolute certainty in your life and what to do next. I actually think it's so much, so much more important and more useful to just be super hyper aware as to where you are right now. And then you just take the next step. Yeah. I love that. All right, Ella, I want to do a lightning round of questions with you. I'm just going to fire off and you're not allowed to elaborate too much on these questions. Uh Oh, okay. I'm going to try really hard. Okay. All right. (laughs) What is some advice that you would give to your 18 year old self? You know, I think about this. The advice I would give to 18-year-old me is go do it. (laughs) Go do it. I wish I had started everything sooner. Everything. I was so scared. I thought everybody who was successful had something that I didn't have yet. And it turns out, no, they just started. That's it. They just started. So I would say just start. Yeah. What, in what ways are you different in real life than how we might perceive you on the podcast? Okay. Can I please give you more than one answer? Okay, fine. <laughs> I cuss a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I cuss a lot and it's, I, I drop big ones like all the time. It's a verb. It's a noun. It's an adjective. It's like the word Smurf was. I know that you don't know what a Smurf is, but <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is lightning round, but so, I, but I, actually really glad you asked me this. The reason I don't really, I bleep myself out sometimes because I think it's funny, but the reason I don't really rely on cursed words on the air is because it's, it's a lazy verbal crutch and it actually takes more presence and more thinking to speak without relying on some easy go-tos. The other thing is I want you to be able to listen no matter where you are. And you know, people have kids in the car or whatever. I want them to be able to listen and be comfortable wherever they are. Um, some of the subjects maybe aren't so much <laughs> great for the carpool. <laughs> All right. So other than cussing a lot, are there any other aspects of yourself that your listeners might not know about? 
Um, I think I'm more woo than I communicate on the air. And then you know what else? I pray and I talk to God a lot. In fact, I don't really pray. I just talk to God a lot. I don't think I really have said that before on the air, but yeah, I'm like in regular communication. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the woo aspect. Mm-hmm. What are your, if you have them, takes on manifestation, how you manifest in your life, your views on that? I know it's very woo and like in every pop culture thing these days, but what, what are you doing or not doing? Well, I'll tell you something. I'm going to just give you a little teaser about this, but it's right where I am right now. And then maybe we can talk about this again in the future, especially if people want to know anything, you know, if, if it raises additional questions, but where I am right now is the law of attraction and the secret and that whole world. A lot of people think is like sitting around saying, I want the Ferrari. I want the Ferrari. I want the Ferrari. And then magically they get the Ferrari. That's, I mean, honestly, that would be amazing. <laughs> But that is amazing, and that's not what I'm talking about or where I spend a lot of time at all. For me, what I'm realizing is I'm realizing the power of this um, 21 days of journaling that we're doing right now, and I'm realizing the power of setting an intention and being hyper-conscious to what I'm grateful for in the morning. And I, I'm, there's an editor in my head that's wanting to edit this so badly, just as I'm saying it to you, because honestly, like, how many people have said that every podcast from the beginning of time, they're like, just be grateful every day, journal every day, meditate every day. And it's like, you know, drink more water. But what is utterly shocking to me is paying attention for four minutes in the morning is changing my day every single day. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is writing I am statements. So to come directly to your manifestation question, writing I am statements is I think tangential to manifestation and what some people mean by that. And I have found that incredibly powerful. And so that's a little bit of what you say you do, like in the shower, I am doing this. Well, I am good at this. Like, so in the morning I finish my journaling, by the way, again, I just want to point out, this is four minutes of my day. Like, I don't want to give anyone the impression that I'm doing this for like 20 minutes now for four minutes a day. I write like three things I'm grateful for. I can't remember the other thing I do. And then I end with like three, I am statements. And that to me is saying the identity that I want to live out that day. Mm-hmm. And I definitely believe in that because I'm experiencing it in real time. Yeah, I I think too, and I'm not one to sit in a corner and meditate for 20 minutes, I wish. But for me, meditating and thinking about my future, I'm spending a lot of time alone right now in my life. And I'm getting hyper aware of what I'm thinking about all the time because it's just me in my head. And I think there's some power to what you're daydreaming about and what you're thinking about and how that impacts the choices that you make and maybe the direction that your life goes. I don't know how, but I know it's related in that I have a lot of control over my mood and perception of the world based on what I'm thinking about. And you can channel that then into something amazing versus not or less so. You know, I experiment with this, just like I do with asking my intuition questions. I experiment with what you just described, that phenomenon. When you are in a mood with a certain pair of glasses on, you see only things that you can see with those glasses on. And then when you take those glasses off and you exchange them for the rose-colored ones, then 
oddly, the circumstances magically change to suit that pair of glasses that you're wearing. Right. Does that make any sense at all? Really? Our, our minds are so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. And yeah. when you become aware of that, you realize how much power you have over certain circumstances in your own life. Okay. Ella, just two more questions for you. Uh, number one, what has been your biggest challenge with marriage? <laughs> Stop. You're making your- <laughs> How long you want this episode to be this? I'm never getting married. So, <laughs> okay. Lightning round. Sure. Got it. Okay. Let me set the stage and tell you, obviously, I don't know what lightning means. Let me set the stage and say that I made so many mistakes in my first 10 year marriage. So many mistakes. And so did he like, and we were young and stupid. We're now very good friends, by the way. He's like a member of the family. It's actually hilarious. The point I'm trying to make very poorly here is that I am really in love with my husband and I also like him and I also respect him. And I also think he's like the hottest guy alive. And I think marriage is so hard. And it's hard because I'm in it. It's not hard because of him. Meaning marriage is just holding a mirror up to every bit of emotional baggage and trauma you have anywhere in your life. And like, I don't care. I don't know when, I don't know how, but you're eventually going to bump right up against it. And you're either going to deal with it or you're not going to deal with it. And sometimes I just don't want to be a grown up. Biz. Sometimes I want to be a six-year-old. And when you're married and you want to stay married and you want to enjoy staying married, those are all very different things. Sometimes I just don't want to be a grown up. Like we had a little tiff the other night that was so stupid. It was so stupid. We both knew it was stupid, but we were too tired to care that it was stupid. So we were invested in it. And the next day he came downstairs and he he hugged me and had like the sheepish look on his face. Like we're idiots. And I had the sheepish look on my face. Like, yeah, I know we're idiots. And I said, I I said to him as he's hugging me, I was like, I just don't want to be a grown up about it. Like, I just don't want to be a grown up about it right now. Can we just forget it? And he's like, probably not. We'll just talk about it later. Yeah, recently someone asked me to share more of my feelings, and um, that's hard. So I'm like, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. He's like, I'm literally <laughs> sitting next to you. I'm gonna need you to be more open. Honestly, like, no, I'm gonna go now. <laughs> so you're telling me that somebody is asking you to be more open with your feelings and more communicative, yeah. more vulnerable, and you're like, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. <laughs> I can't hear you. Precisely. Yeah. But I understand then how that's just in a relationship. You do more of that and harder stuff in a marriage. And yeah, it's a a lot of work that you can ignore when (laughs) you're not in a relationship. Yeah. And you see things about yourself that you can't ignore when you're in a relationship. You know, you're like, oh, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, as it turns out. (laughs) Do we still say that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Being a grown up is the hardest thing. So I, this is maybe too personal, but in your relationship, how have the dynamics changed and have they, and do they continue to, do you grow beside each other and like evolve within your marriage? You know, that's, that's actually what happened in my first marriage is we both changed so much because we were children. So we both changed so much that we ended up going, oh, we're very, very different people. And, and I don't mean to one another, uh, which was factually correct, but I mean, we're very, very different people than the social contract we made 10 years ago. By social contract, I mean the agreements you make when you're in relationship with somebody that, you know, they will remain that person. <laughs> 
(laughs) That's why friendships don't always last because friendships are a social contract and none of this is written anywhere. Uh, That would be weird. But, and then when one of you really changes or wants to grow and the other one does it, the other one's like, that's not what I signed up for. Um, That can happen in any relationship. That can happen with your parents. What else? My point to you is we didn't grow in a way that brought us together. And so again, no shame and no shade whatsoever. Like I really love my son's father and he is very much a part of our family. And I'm so grateful to him. Like I could, I could get emotional just talking about it. However, I am now permanently married (laughs) and I don't know how, I would never pretend to know how. I just know that we treat our marriage as one of those dreams we're working toward, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't know to do that before. I probably didn't have it in me. And I'm not even really trying to compare now versus then. I'm really just trying to tell you now is that what I understand now is part of my dream is to be married to this man. And so I'm not just working toward a kick-ass career. I'm not just working toward being the very best person that I can be and like physical goals for myself and challenges for myself and wanting to be a great mom. Like I really want to be a good wife. I want to be a really good partner to this man that I'm kind of crazy about. And that, how, how, how am I going to grow away from that? If that's actually in my list of things I want to be, does it, does that make any sense? I don't even know if that makes sense. No, I do. I've never heard someone explain a relationship or marriage that way, but I, I really like it. And I'm thinking he probably feels the same. You're a part of his story. I have never said out loud what I just said to you. And it really, yeah, that feels important to me too. I think he's the only reason I was even just able to articulate that. And I'm the one probably who's evolving because of him in that regard. Yeah, I love it. Um, And then very last question for you, same in the realm of family talk. I want to ask like the biggest reward of parenting and then also biggest challenge of parenting. The greatest reward, that's hard to say without it being something super trite. I can't believe I have anything to do with this young man that I grew. And like, I I can't believe I have anything to do with him, meaning they're just a wonder, you know? And I look at everything Mamie's accomplished in her life. I'm so proud of her and take absolutely zero credit for any of it. And my son, I'm just like, who's your real mom? Like, I can't wait to meet her. She must be really awesome because he... He's just like the nicest human being. Um, And everyone thinks their kids are special and all that. Like I'm not the type to brag about my children at parties. You know what I mean? I don't do that. So I'm trying to answer your question authentically without being nauseating. And it's just like, wow, that I had anything to do with that is just the greatest gift. Yeah. What has been the biggest challenge of parenting both kids? You know, there's a lot of truths about parenting. I don't think people talk about enough and, and I can't speak for dads. I'll be, I'll be dead straight with you. I think it's different um, than what I'm about to describe. So what I'm about to describe, I'm going to say is my own personal experience, but I think a lot of moms feel this way. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Once you're a parent, once you're a mom, anything you do is taking time away from parenting, unless you're parenting. And it's real hard to prepare someone for that. So if you're pursuing a dream, if you're pursuing a work trip, if you're just trying to finish a project, if you are trying to work out, if you are trying to brush your teeth, wherever you are in whatever stage, anything you do that is not hands-on parenting feels a teensy bit like a failure, a sacrifice, or a selfish. And we do not have time to talk about that (laughs) or unpack it, but that's the truest thing I can say to you. 
Well, thank you for being honest. I'm sure all the moms and dads out there will definitely relate. Biz, I can't thank you enough for being willing to talk to me today. I love that we just did this 100% impromptu. I know. Thank you so much. It's been truly an honor. Biz, can I tag you in this episode? Absolutely. Please. Okay. You guys, her Instagram is hot. <laughs> Listen, if I were single and 20, whatever, I would be in trouble. Oh my gosh, Ella. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.